0: the world of glitz and glamour. Terror strikes under the stars. One podcast dares to shine the light on the dark mysteries of Hollywood's past. From the cold case files of the LAPD, Riff Laugh presents the Hollywood Dead Podcast. Murder, deceit, and all the true crime from Tinseltown. The Hollywood Dead Podcast, coming soon. Awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey, and my name is Jeff. Today on Switch the Envelope. We are going back into
1: the depths of
0: things that you can't understand
1: in movies. (laughs) (laughs) Corey, would that be Because Movies by any chance? It would, Jeff. And I think we have a theme song that says just that. I think we do too. Let's play the Because Movies theme song. No, dude, this movie has some major plot hole problems. Because Movies. Physics does not tell us that you have to go 88 miles an hour to go back in time. Because movies. All right. That was pretty awesome. I like that theme song. (laughs) Our theme songs are the best. All right. But uh, we do have a very special show about Because Movies. Corey, why don't you explain to everybody what Because Movies really means?
0: There are things that happen in movies, switches that defy logic plot holes and you know things that characters do that you just go why why would you why would that doesn't make sense that they would do this or you know why would they even think that that was an option for solving the problem that they are having and if you can't explain it away with plot then you just have to chalk it up to well because movies and that's where we're at today Jeff
1: now Corey can you please tell me that's not a mcguffin correct we don't include mcguffins in our because movies do we
0: Not exactly. Uh, MacGuffins are a device that moves plot forward. So technically, that would be the plot explaining something, even though that something doesn't necessarily have an explanation.
1: But it's something that is not explained and that the audience just has to accept. Mm -hmm. So some people could think that's a plot hole.
0: It's a device That helps move the plot along. It fills in, you know, some of the the stories. It's something for our characters to, you know, go after. You know, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, doesn't happen unless there's a lost ark, the ark being the
1: MacGuffin. Why don't we tell the audience a famous Tarantino MacGuffin?
0: Which, Which Tarantino MacGuffin are you talking about?
1: I'm talking about a certain briefcase that was entered into Pulp Fiction that nobody ever is told what it's there for, why it's there, or what's in it. But for some reason, we just accept that there's this briefcase that everybody is carrying around that is glowing.
0: Well, these two hitmen in the movie
1: are charged
0: with protecting this briefcase. Um, Myths abound about what (laughs) it's supposed to be. A lot of people think that it's their boss's soul. Exactly.
1: So our first film, we're going to jump right in. The year was 1985. The place was Hill Valley. Hill Valley was a fictitious American suburb. Dressed in Reagan-era politics, Huey Lewis music, and a piece-of-crap limited-run sports car known as a DMC DeLorean. The Back
0: to the Future franchise would spawn a trilogy, a global marketing franchise, comic books and more. The first Back to the Future movie was a juggernaut that would generate more than $200 million. Not too bad for a movie with a $19 million budget.
1: Here at Swiss the Envelope, we like to dive into the movies with the biggest plot holes, despite being both of our favorite movies. Back to the Future has some major issues.
0: But we're gonna leave the original Back to the Future alone tonight. Because frankly, it's a perfect film. So to all of you who say there are issues with that plot, you can suck it.
1: For our first film, we are going to discuss the issues with the final movie in the Back to the Future franchise, Back to the Future Part Three.
0: For those of you Switches not familiar with this film, This is the Back to the Future where Marty McFly and Doc Brown go back to the Old West and face off against Buford Mad
1: Dog Tannen. To first understand the major plot holes in this movie, we must first explain that Back to the Future Part Two and Back to the Future Part Three were actually filmed as one long movie, then broken up into two parts. The first of the series was released in 1989, and the second released in 1990.
0: So let's refresh your memory of the second Back to the Future film before going on to the third
1: movie. Okay, if you haven't seen these films, this explanation may get pretty crazy. Marty McFly
0: went into the future, but while he was in the future, Biff from the future took a sports almanac that went back to 1955 and changed Marty's present in 1985 to an alternate shitty fucked up present that needed to be fixed because Biff owned everything and let everyone do what they wanted, killed Marty's dad and had Doc Brown committed. So Marty took the time machine back to 1955 to get the almanac, but while in 1955 restoring the future to the way it was supposed to be, the DeLorean was struck by lightning with Doc Brown still in it. Doc was then transported back to 1885, which sets up Back to the Future Part Three, but it was still cool because Marty fixed everything in Shit Return to normally 1985.
1: Damn, that's a good movie.
0: Now let's talk about Back to the Future Part 3 and some of the glaring holes in this movie.
1: I have two main problems with Back to the Future Part 3 and it's mainly with just this movie. So <laughs> Okay, good. Okay, Whew. so Back to the Future Part 1 and Back to the Future Part 2 I love. Back to the Future yes. Part 3 I have a major problem with and that's that Doc gets struck like you went over. Now, if you didn't catch any of that, go back, rewind it, so you guys can all hear Corey try and get through that without laughing <laughs> the, or without the, struggling. The plot of Amazing Back Amazing job, Corey. Amazing job, Corey. I Amazing had to job, catch Corey. my
0: breath for 15 minutes after that. You guys didn't hear that edit, but...
1: <laughs> okay, so in Back to the Future Part 2, Doc gets struck by lightning, and he's sent back to 1885. True. He buries, he buries the DeLorean for Marty in a cave... Mm-hmm. so that he can uncover it in 1955 when he has 1955 Doc Brown. Yes. True? Okay. Yes,
0: because he knows the exact moment in which he was struck by lightning to exactly. deliver the message to Marty to go to the cave. Yes.
1: Okay. So Doc and, Doc and Marty, they both make the time machine work again. Yes. Then Marty goes back to 1885. However, because Marty is now going back into 1885, the original time machine that Doc got struck by lightning in is also back in 1885 because time is linear and it has not gotten to 1955 where Marty is. So there is now two DeLoreans in 1885. True. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes problem. Um, yeah, I think definitely two DeLoreans exist in 1885.
1: Okay, and there's no mention of it in the story and that this would have been a, a kind of a pivotal problem at the time, especially because this DeLorean presents a lot of problems when they're there and breaks down several times which causes them difficulty to get back.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I want to remember that Doc has a line... About extra parts that he's packed before he sends him through the movie screen um, at the drive-in theater. I want to say that that he 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 tells it because they had to like refit the Delorean with a bunch of tubes and and things that distinguishes it as the like 1955 to 19 or to to 1885 Delorean, right? Or the it's like the 1885 to 1955 to 1885 Delorean is it has a bunch of like light bulbs and tubes and stuff on it. Um, I feel like Doc packed a bunch of extra gear for for that. I'm not sure if that was unless. No, but the whole well, problem getting the whole no. problem
1: getting out is that they don't have gas. No, they ripped the fuel that, line. That whole the up. whole plot of the entire movie is that they don't they're not able to get back because they don't have enough gas because yeah, of the fuel line. The arrow shot the
0: the, the, arrow, shot the fuel line.
1: The second the second the second uh, DeLorean would have fixed that problem because they would have had gas in the second DeLorean.
0: But they would have had a spare line. They
1: <laughs> they would have. No, but the, no, but it wasn't the fuel line. It was the fact that they ran out of gas. They would have had gas in the other DeLorean.
0: Uh, I mean, maybe, yeah. Um, we're also discounting the fact that the whole thing runs on fucking Mr. Fusion. No, but... no,
1: they described that in the third one. He says, yeah, the internal combustion system is always run on gasoline. That's the line directly from the movie.
0: But Does the – hold on. Okay, so I'm trying to think of – which DeLorean gets zapped? This is where it gets crazy, right? And, and why the, the, it starts to fray here. Which DeLorean gets zapped by lightning? It's the flying one that has the Mr. Fusion on the back. Because he's in well, the okay. air when he gets hit
1: by lightning. This isn't too confusing. They're the same DeLorean. However, when you go back in time with that DeLorean that you have, the one that's still stuck there is still there. Right. Just like there was two Martys in the second one? Right. Now there's two DeLoreans in the third one.
0: Correct. I'm, I'm saying, like, there's a, we're, we're, I'm just, we're opening up just fingers of, of terrible— No, we're not.
1: It's the fact that there's two DeLoreans in the, in the Old West. They said the problem with the whole movie is that he ripped the fuel line, so now they have to figure out a way in order to get it up to 88 miles per hour without having any gasoline in that time. However, they have an entire second DeLorean that would not have had a fuel line ripped, so it should have not completely yet, right. <laughs> no, because remember, it's still in the mine that he built in three days. It's in the mine shaft, still all ready for Marty to discover in 1955. Ooh, but that's another problem. If they take it and use it, Marty never discovers it, and they don't actually get to use it.
0: Or if they strip it for parts, they may strip too many parts that they can't fix in 1955 to send it back to 19 or to send it back. Yeah, to but it wouldn't
1: affect it. It would have, have no effect on it if they would take out if they took out the gasoline, because gasoline true. is still invented in 1955.
0: Well, that and and the gasoline would have evaporated by 1885 anyway. They would have had to fill it with, you know, gasoline anyway or some sort of fuel. Yeah, but like I said, so it they, has a Mister Fusion attached to it. So, but the like, Mister Fusion
1: could, does not does not work the internal combustion engine. It only works the... Oh, the, the like, combustion flux capacitor engine, and stuff? Yeah, but the uh, internal combustion engine is always done by gasoline.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. They did explain. That's why they had to get the... Yeah, okay, so the Mr. Fusion thing still works because that's how they power the 1.21 gigawatts of flux power once they get it up to a certain amount and of And the lighting speed. wouldn't affect that DeLorean. It's been struck
1: by lightning for three movies now. That thing is yeah. fine. Because it's a because the reason why they use a DeLorean is because it's a completely steel, stainless steel. framed yeah. stainless steel car.
0: Yeah, it's a, a Faraday cage or whatever they call that, right?
1: Sure. <laughs>
0: I think that's what it's called. <laughs> um I could be completely wrong. That could be some weird sadistic thing. <laughs> I apologize to our listeners. Who are just like it's a what? <laughs> I think I mean, I think that's like a you know something that disperses the electricity over a sure. I think yeah. Corey likes to watch uh, Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah, and- I think I just I just exposed myself either
1: as a, as an Uber nerd <laughs> who's a, l- a little forgetful or some weird sex fiend. <laughs> so there should have never been a, cha- a reason for them to. Need to get it up to 88 miles per hour because they would have already had the gasoline available in the other DeLorean that is still in the, in the shaft, wait, in the mine shaft, waiting for Marty to discover it in 18, in, in 1955 and taking yeah. the gasoline out would not have changed the plot at all because they wouldn't have had the gasoline there anyway because it would have evaporated. So they would have had to use the gasoline in 1955 for that car. It's very true. Very true, Jeff. Yes. So because movies. The reason why that plot exists is because movies.
0: Yeah. No, that's yeah. Oh man. I was hoping we could explain away
1: <laughs> back in future stuff. Yeah. I, there's could a- see, I could hear it. I could hear it in your voice you trying to explain this one if away.
0: It, even the <laughs> even the like arrow through the part and like they could have they could have stripped the other DeLorean. Of parts, because the fact that Marty makes it to 1885 in the first place means that they were able to fix whatever they took off of that DeLorean to get him there in the first place. Right, By Marty the way, would have gone. They, back they have to the vacuum knowledge that, tubes
1: like, on the front, front hood. How are they fixing a DeLorean with vacuum tubes? I've always wondered that.
0: The technology of the 1955, uh, like retcon of the of the time machine, is a little bit because movies too. Like nothing in that he puts on that little wooden box. <laughs> On the top of the DeLorean would ever come close to the amount of power that they were using from 1985 tech, let alone the expanded tech that Doc Brown put on it to make it go into space time.
1: It it a little bit reminds me of uh, the movie Fletch when Fletch is trying to pretend like he knows what he's talking about when he goes undercover as an aviation mechanic Mm -hmm. and he tries to talk. He talks about fixing a fixing a a plane using ball bearings. It kind (laughs) of reminds me of that, like. Like, they're trying to fix a 1985 DeLorean with with vacuum tubes. I just feel like that's not going to work.
0: Yeah, I feel like all of those tubes would just explode upon hitting, (laughs) you know, a certain amount of power. You know, there's some sort of wattage that they would all just pop, 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 pop. And then the whole thing would die just as he hit the wall at the end of that movie theater. Well, as musicians,
1: (laughs) we know that you need, like, you need, like, six of those or seven of those just to power a hundred watts yeah okay, that, so that, that's like so so in order to get the fucking flux capacitor going on vacuum tubes that whole thing would have to be lined with like just vacuum tubes the whole yeah, thing it
0: would, it would probably be uh not a lot of room for marty to sit in that delorean <laughs> <laughs> it would have to have removed the seat you know what's incredible though jeff is uh the battery power on the hoverboard I don't think there is value. I think think there's batteries. How is it powered? Because movies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, because movies. That thing goes back for, I mean, think about, like, your phone, right? The most advanced piece of technology that we have on our persons that we take for granted, right? Uh, If we went back in time, our phones would die in a day and a half, and then it would just be a brick, right? (laughs) It'd be the most powerful computer in 1955, but it would be completely fucking useless because there would be no way to charge it. You know what I mean? Well, I first think, of all,
1: it would, it would not be the most powerful computer in 1955 because you would not have any other type of cellular towers that would allow you to have any internet, any... Have you ever been in a, well, in a dead zone and seen how your computer on your phone works? I would argue it that the, doesn't. The,
0: the fact that it has a calculator that would still work would make it a more powerful computing Uh, entity than the most powerful computer in 1955.
1: The year was 1991. The place? The Los Angeles Federal Bureau of Investigations Bank Robbery Division. The character of Johnny Utah was the newest recruit to be hired into the elite division that, among other things, included intense undercover work. We are, of course,
0: talking about the 1991 surfing bank robber movie Point Break. Naturally. Unlike the previous film, Point Break doesn't need a lot of backstory. It's a straight-up heist action film.
1: Point Break was a very popular film for the two leads, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Supporting roles of this film were Gary Busey, John C. McGinley, some remember him as Dr. Cox from Scrubs, and in a rare movie appearance, Anthony Kiedis from The Red Hot Chili Peppers. But to understand this movie, we need to first set up the background of the film.
0: In 1991, Los Angeles, the FBI is having a series of bank robberies occur throughout the Southland. These robberies happen for three months from June to August each year. It's important that the audience knows that these are occurring during the summer months. The bank robbers wear masks of ex-presidents. The FBI names them the ex-presidents. Johnny Utah's partner, Pappas, played by Gary Busey, believes these robberies are being done by surfers because he finds sex wax on a scuff shoe print. Johnny Utah then goes undercover to find the surfer bank
1: robbers. And just as a disclaimer, if you change surfers to mechanics, banks to trucks, and switch Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze to Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, you've got the exact script for the first Fast and Furious movie. We are hitting all of
0: our favorites, Jeff, tonight, <laughs> and it hurts me just a little bit.
1: Nah, this one, <laughs> this one I still love. This episode Sorry, is painful. <laughs> this, this movie with Point Break... I still fucking love it, and I am. I don't care if there's a stupid plot hole in the beginning of it. I love this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, All this right. is a. It's a fun. It's a fun action film that it, the plot holes don't really
1: matter. <laughs> no, but this is a major plot hole that I don't think anybody even thinks about, and they actually discuss the plot hole in the fucking movie. <laughs> they discuss it. It's a. Yeah. They actually put it in in the movie as a plot, but nobody discusses like you are an undercover agent who was a NCAA star fucking quarterback (laughs) who made it to a televised bowl game. (laughs) Why would you put a star quarterback as an undercover agent? Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't make a lot of sense. And then surprise, surprise, what happens when he's undercover investigating a group of surfers? They go, hey, don't you guys know who this is? This is Johnny Utah. Dude was at that bowl game.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's kind of hard for him to blend and seem yeah, like what the hell? Lo- low life scum. <laughs> Although it, his his undercover scheme was flawed as well, right? Like most most times they go undercover to try to infiltrate a specific gang or something like that. He initially goes undercover to get to know the surfing community.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I mean? there were no to, leads. According to Angelo like, Pappas, you got to get out there, man. Look <laughs> at them. They're like a tribe. You got to get out there, man. You got to do that. I don't feel like uh,
0: his undercover work was like officially sanctioned undercover work. I think no, he just sort of like...
1: There's a line there's a line in the movie where sure? he says... <laughs> yeah, there's That's, a line in the movie where he says they're going to bring it to Harp. Harp is the, Harp is the character for uh, John C. McGinley because yeah. they hate him.
0: Yeah, the but I mean undercover agents don't typically have
1: a uh, partner. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know frankly um, I don't I wouldn't know. I mean, I don't know. The, I'm I only know what I what I see in the movies, man. It, for a I movie, sit here it's a I... very
0: unconventional version of undercover work for well, yeah, the
1: agent. Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Come on. That's true. <laughs> That's like saying that. That's like saying that Roadhouse is a conventional <laughs> movie about bouncers. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I'm, I'm it's just an saying conventional like, story about bouncers.
0: Keanu Reeves' motivation through this entire thing is not driven by his training as a police officer. It's not driven as any sort of training for the way an undercover officer should uh, conduct themselves. It is solely because of movies. Because we need. That chase scene through uh, all the backyards and side yards and all That's like an that. That's an amazing stuff. scene. It's a great scene. <laughs> it should not be happening, is what I'm saying. The only reason it's happening is because movies. Yeah, I, and, uh, I can't I can't find a logic universe. In, in I can't find universe. logic why
1: this is such a great movie, but this is such a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. <laughs> okay, it's this is so like fun. It's so and fun. And this movie is like Keanu Reeves is like Ted fucking playing an FBI agent. This is such a miscast.
0: <laughs> but it's he not
1: can, he sits down and sits next to Gary Busey's character and he goes, "Hey man, your sandwich, it's the one that looks like a roadkill." It's like <laughs> Was that written for you? Like
0: it's weird because it's <laughs> it's like half of this movie is poorly written. Half of it has such cool stuff, like the ex-president stuff itself. The it's fact amazing. That these, ba- these bank robbers, you know, like that's their getup to go rob these banks. The fact that they um, they don't hit the vaults. They only hit the cash registers, so that they're you know quick in and out.
1: No, that the, there's um, so much stuff that's
0: great. Like um, the extreme sports angle, the the high adrenaline surfing and and um skydiving and stuff is like they're thrill seekers, so it's part of it. Um The fact that they only hit during during the summer. Um I
1: thought that was a little cheesy. That's a little cheesy. The,
0: the sum the summer thing is is a little bit off, but as a character quirk, like they hit during the summer and then they're out and then they
1: disappear. Like that as a, as a device works. Um, I, I have to say though, that when I was first watching this movie, when I was a teenager, even younger, man, this came out in 91. So man, I was young when I first saw this movie, but I gotta say when I first saw this movie, the most disgusting scene in this movie has to do with Anthony Kiedis. Oh, yeah. When the raid happens on on the house that Anthony Kiedis is in, and he accidentally, like this is just a scene in the movie, he accidentally, his character, shoots himself in the f- foot. And the blood that comes out of his foot is so disgusting. It's one of the worst scenes in the movie.
0: Yeah. The <laughs> the foot exploding was Yeah, the gnarly. foot literally just like
1: explodes through the shoe. It's disgusting.
0: Yeah, he's, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, uh, Anthony Kiedis is in a rival surfing gang
1: (laughs) well no they're not a gang they're just like a bunch of assholes basically
0: they're a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells that also surf and they become the prime suspects of johnny utah's investigation initially he becomes friends with uh, patrick swayze's crew and suspects this other crew and they actually do a raid on this crew and during the raid anthony kiedis has a shotgun behind a door and they burst through the door Hit, pinning him against the wall and he sh- the shotgun goes off and just blows the front of his foot off. It's quite gross. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a pistol though, but yeah. Is it a pistol? I thought it was like a yeah. sawed
0: off shotgun or something like that. No, it's a pistol. Really? Mm. Like a Magnum fucking giant revolver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just <laughs> know it's di- gross. A dirty,
0: dirty hairy gun. <laughs>
1: Either it's way, really yeah, he blows
0: the front of his foot off. It's super gross. Yeah, this movie uh, directed by uh, Catherine Bigelow. Um she is or was the wife of James Cameron. James Cameron? Yeah, James Cameron.
1: I thought I felt a lot of t- Titanic vibes in yeah, this movie. Yeah, and
0: he he actually helped her tighten this story um at the time. And it this was tightened? Tightened. Yeah. Well, by James Cameron <laughs> standards. <laughs> so this was
1: tightened up. Yeah. Man, yeah. I hate this to see movie, the, I'd I'd hate to see the first draft of the story.
0: This movie it took like Six years to develop. There was an original script uh, written by one dude. Then Catherine Bigelow became attached, and she retooled it with her husband. It was a whole thing to try to get this this particular movie uh, made. But it That's started in, like 1986 or something like that um, with a uh, with a script, and they like just they reworked it and reworked it and reworked it. See, but by like late 80s, early 90s standards, this was a really tight action film. <laughs> if you think about it.
1: Is there anything more that we're talking about with uh, Point Break? Anything we can throw in there?
0: Oh, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, they uh, they go searching for a suspect based off of seeing his butthole on a on a security camera. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, you know, I, the, Point Break. Almost everything that happens in Point Break happens because movies. I, I think we could honestly say that. But for
1: for me, the only thing that I would say, because yes, it's a you can you can make fun of it because it's an action heist movie about surfing bank robbers. But for me, the only part that's a plot hole of this movie is the fact that he was a star quarterback in NCAA football. People know them. What if Matt Leiner walked out and all of a sudden you saw him? undercover you know Robin banks obviously he's undercover and everyone would know who he was they would be like wait aren't you matt leinart
0: or some people would be uh or reggie like, bush aren't
1: you reggie bush
0: there'd be a ton of people <laughs> who would be on the phone they'd be like hey you remember that division one quarterback from from a few years ago yeah, he yeah. just robbed a bank
1: or if that would you what if you saw reggie bush just down like on the beach just surfing with everybody He'd be like hey reggie bush He's well, like, we, no, no. I'm just like any any one of you. Yeah, I'm no. just a surfer, like all of you. Like they'd be like, no, you're rich. No, Bush. you're not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a huge <laughs> leap. It's a huge leap for sure. Um. Yeah. I there's, but it. I don't know. Like is, there's enough cool about this movie. Um. The action sequences. I mean, the, there's a there's a because movies uh, a little bit. Um, in that they're having a full-on conversation as they're skydiving. And if you've ever opened your window on the freeway...
1: Yeah, but they made those jumps for real.
0: They, no, they made the jumps for real, but the conversation that they're having, you can't hear shit when you're skydiving. <laughs> unless that person is, you know, unless you're strapped to the front of the person who's right next to your ear telling you that you're going to do something next. The person that's floating across from you They use hand signals uh, to to coordinate things when when they're up in the air because you can't hear shit because you're falling at terminal velocity, Jeff.
1: Well, what I think is funny is that uh, Patrick Swayze, I think this is the movie, but I'm pretty sure that this is the movie that Patrick Swayze required that he did all the jumping himself. I don't know if the whole cast did that, but I'm pretty sure he did all the jumping himself.
0: Yeah, I think Patrick Souza was kind of known known for um, pushing pushing the limits of the sort of physical acting, um, you know, just short of the super dangerous stuff. But, like, you know, he... I don't
1: know, jumping out of a fucking airplane is pretty dangerous. Yeah. If you're I the, mean, I mean, if you're the main star of a film that they're paying, like, millions for and you're jumping out of an airplane, I'd be nervous if I was the director. I'd be like, wait. What if this guy does, what if he just, what if he busts his ankle coming down? Like, you're shutting down the set for yeah. weeks.
0: He has the leverage at that point, though, to be like, well, then I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know? All right, so that, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of Because Movies. And I think, uh, I think we got to the bottom of these two films, Jeff. I think so, too. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or wherever they allow you to like and subscribe. Uh, I you think they'll like and subscribe. I, and if don't.
1: they don't like and subscribe, give a comment that says you love us.
0: Yeah. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Switch Envelope or follow us on Instagram at Switch The Envelope. Of course, you can always go to SwitchTheEnvelope.com for all your Switch The Envelope needs. And um, yeah, I think I think that just about does it, Jeff.
1: Yeah, and make sure that every time you're watching movies, make sure to watch them with a cynical eye so that it ruins your movie perspective and think Because Movies. The following has been a Riff production.